0: The board's introduction of a regional cricket podcast as a way of sharing news and updates, local cricket stories, and celebrating local players. And the winner of the Technology and Media Initiative of the Year award is the Western Australian Country Cricket Board. Congratulations, WA Cricket Board.
1: Well, we did it. What an amazing night Thursday, the 19th of May, was with the announcement right across Australia that this humble little podcast out on the paddock had been named as the Technology and Media Initiative Award winner for 2021 at Cricket Australia's National Community Cricket Awards held that evening. It was a big night for some of us at the Wacker. This vindicated a decision made last year by the WA Country Cricket Board to try and attempt to find improved ways and wider communication channels to allow you the WA Country Cricket stakeholder to better engage with us with what's happening every month in WA Country Cricket and its landscape as well as take the opportunity to hear from those who make up and have made up the fabric of WA Country Cricket for a long, long time now. To hear those passions, the journeys, the tears and the victories that have occurred and continue to roll out in one of the best places on the planet to play cricket Regional WA. Thank you, Cricket Australia, for acknowledging this initiative and for continuing to sow back into community cricket here in Australia. But thank you so, so much to every member of the current WA Country Cricket Board. I'm going to name them. uh, My vice. Uh, Chair Steve Golan out in the wheatbelt, out in Beverly. Thanks, Steve, for all your support of of me over a long period of time. Now, Michael Palethorpe, our independent member on the board. Amanda Morley up in the Cricket Northwest. Brendan Joss in the Midwest. Peter Ritchie in Peel. Angelo D'Agostino from Cricket Southwest. Wayne Harrington, Harrow from down in the Great Southern. James Trail out in the Goldfields and last but definitely not least, Brady Garner out in the wheat belt, along with the country cricket unit at WA Cricket, the amazing Steve Phillippe and Andrew Hayes, as well as Joe Davies, the general manager of Community Cricket, who gives so much support over a long period of time to WA Country Cricket. And just overall, the support of WA Cricket as a whole, led by our amazing CEO, Christina Matthews thank you to all of you for what you have been able to put back into this initiative. But most of all, I want to thank you, our listeners, over the journey of this podcast so far. This simply couldn't work without you, as well as the amazing guests that we've had on the podcast since we kicked off last year. If you haven't gone back and listened to these episodes, this is what's made this product an award-winning product. And it includes Tuck Waldron, the legend of all legends in WA Country Cricket, I reckon. Jared Marques, Joe Angel, Chris Waddingham, Glenn Deering, Richard Savage and our most recent episode, a brilliant episode. Absolutely loved every minute of it with uh, Sam Whiteman has just fresh off the back of one of the biggest achievements ever for a WA Country Cricketer by winning a Sheffield Shield final on the Wacker And... An absolute shout out to the sound producer of this podcast, Nat Marshall, who has shaped this into a very unique and professional product that clearly, clearly caught the eye of Cricket Australia. Thank you, Nat. You are absolutely the best in the business at what you do. But as they say in the classics, it's now on with the show. And in this episode, we wrap up the trilogy, as we've been calling it, of one of the most famous games in WA country cricket matches in recent history back in 2005. I recommend that if you haven't already listened to episode 6 part B and 7 part B of Out on the Paddock, that you do so first before listening to the remainder of this episode. In this episode we hear the from one of the vanquished (laughs) from that match in the form of Geraldton cricket great Shane Bidwell. Shane gets to share how things looked from the other side of that match and how things played out for Geraldton on that day and in a somewhat sadly humorous aftermath and the trip home. But more importantly, we get to hear from a fabulous WA country cricketer who has devoted his career and talents to WA country cricket over the past three or four decades and has achieved some amazing highs during that time, including representation for the WA Country 11 on multiple tours and carnivals. Biddy's recall of playing cricket out in the Lake Grace region in his early days are definitely worth hearing, I believe, and it captures the heart and soul of what is indeed WA regional cricket. And then at the back end of this episode... After we've finished uh, hearing Biddy's story, we'll also hear some latest news from around WA Regional Cricket. And I'd in- encourage you to hang around and listen to, to what we've got to, to bring out in that-, that part of today's episode, including some very sad news of a sad loss to the WA Regional Cricket community, as well as some new appointments in WA Country Cricket and its landscape, as well as a call-out and recognition of some amazing individuals who have ploughed so much back into WA regional cricket through this past 12 months. So buckle in, sit back and listen to the, yes, award-winning Out on the Paddock, Episode 9, featuring Shane Bidwell. I want to introduce to you a guy who is legendary and lives in WA country folklore. He's a, a cricketer that has just about done it all in WA country cricket. He's somebody that uh, I got to tango with at the end of my career. He's, uh, he's clearly way, way, way beyond what I was ever able to achieve. Welcome to the podcast, Shane Bidwell. Thanks, Rob, for having us on. Um,
0: thanks for those kind words as well. Um, it's a bit of a bit of a shock to be... Put into a category where you know so many great country cricketers, and to be put in amongst that um, echelon of people's um, pretty proud of that.
1: Yeah, well, you should be, Shane, because uh, from talking to cricketers all around WA country cricket. Your name uh, resonates very much in that category of somebody who has just simply devoted yourself primarily to WA Country Cricket and has just done some amazing things. And we're going to try and unpack some of that story in this episode. And I'm, I know that there's lots of people who are really keen to, to hear your journey. Um, but, mate, let's uh, let's kick it off by... Where did it all start? Where's Where's Shane Bidwell? And we we'll, um, and I'll call it from the, the get go, a bit like we refer to Sav and Dero. I think you're you're pretty comfortable with Biddy these days. Yeah, um, yeah, your yeah, nickname. And um, so, where where did it all start for for Biddy? Uh, so obviously cricket for me started
0: back in Lake Grace. I know there's obviously going to be a lot of country people around that know where that is, but um, it's about halfway between Perth and Esperance. Um, not a very big place. There's probably only about oh, four or 500 people. Um, but it was just one of those country towns where you played footy in the winter and cricket in the summer and in between you played a bit of basketball and golf and whatnot. But the cricket for me, just, I loved it. So I was always down at the cricket nets you know, every Tuesday and Thursday and around the place. Growing up, so I was sort of ten or eleven or twelve, and going off on bus trips, and not actually playing cricket as such, but just loved being around the guys uh, that were playing cricket for Lake Grace at that stage, and they, you know, they were happy to have me tag along and all those sorts of things. So, um, through the early years when I was only that age, I actually played more games for a team called Narribin which is probably, oh, it's only about 30 k's from Cooker. and If you didn't know it was there, you'd never ever find it. <laughs> oh, so of rabbit holes and on the edge of a paddock <laughs> and a few rocks on the, on the boundary. But, yeah, it was a fantastic place to go and play cricket. And at one stage, they actually rang my parents and asked if I wanted or they would be willing to let me go and play with them. And they had a farmer that was... Um, Playing for him at the time, said he would come into Lake Grace every Saturday to pick me up and take me to cricket and bring me home. Wow! So, but (laughs) yeah, so early days it was fantastic. But I never dreamed of playing for anyone else but Lake Grace at the start. So, and when I got to play for Lake Grace in the senior cricket, I was um, chuffed and yeah, just really loved
1: it. So, just for those who've been around the journey, um, and especially referring to say Country Week. My my memories, my earliest memories of playing against Lake Grace were they were called the Lake Grace Cookran Cricket Association. So was that your where you were at?
0: No, when I was playing, it was Lake Grace Cookern.
1: So there was yep. it was made up of
0: I think there was five teams at one stage. There was two two Lake Grace teams. There was Lake Grace, North Lake Grace, Newdigate, uh, Cookern, and Narrabund. And then mm-hmm. it dispersed uh, a few years after I actually left town. And then we ended up with um,
1: Pingaring and and Hyde and playing in the competition. So, so were been a um, you know a, a, a force in the competition, or were they a, bit, um, of no, a they, bit of a struggler?
0: They were a bit of a struggle. They were just full of farmers that wanted to play cricket. Pretty much the same as all teams that we had in that competition. where there's no real major center. So Lake Grace was the major center of those teams. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but they were all just you know town people, farmers and and farmers workers mainly. So summertime was actually quite a hard thing to get um, right in country cricket when you're trying to accommodate harvest and all those sorts of things. So um, but no Nerevan weren't a weren't a great team with every team had their years and, and it was a very competitive association because I think Lake Grace was or Lake Grace Cook and we're playing in a reasonable level of country cricket. 'cause we we're in B grade at one sec one stage and we're pushing to yep. play A grade cricket. Um, but yep. Then you you'd lose a few players from around the place that leave town and go and do other things, and yeah, just it was it was just it was a different environment to play, and was just really relaxed way to play cricket.
1: I can I'm I'm trying to remember some names because you know late Grace Cooker and were renowned at Country Week big time in the 80s and, and 90s, early 90s in particular. Um, I can remember playing a game out at Curtin on a beautiful turf wicket and playing Lake Grace Crooker and, and there was a, a, an opener, a short guy, I can't remember his name, and he just belted us everywhere. There were some amazing cricketers that came out of Lake Grace in that time. Were there some that sort of influenced you or you have some memories of? People that influenced me,
0: obviously the players that you play with at your local club. So we had um, Rod and Andrew Walker, um, a guy by the name of Craig Reynolds who played a bit of Perth cricket as well. Um, yep. The two pinnies, um, Greg and Mark, are both fantastic players in their own right. And then you move on to there was some older guys at our club that were just fantastic to have around that were stalwarts of the club and would do anything for anyone on the team, never alone the young guys coming through. Um, yeah. So – and in terms of the other teams, um, there was a guy by the name of Dalton Fordham that played at Newtie Gate. He was an outstanding cricketer.
1: Fordham. Fordham, that's the one I think I'm thinking of. He was just um, a big, yeah. bustling
0: man and he was re- he was a great, great man and he was, a, he was just a fantastic cricketer to play with and against. Um, so North Lake Roads had the two Milton brothers, which were really good, and then later on, basically in the same era that I played, was Clayton and Brad Gardner, who were two... Outstanding fast bowlers, but Cochrane actually produced some of the best cricketers that I've played with and against. The two um, two Greys, Kim and oh, I can't remember the other one, Kim Gray, and I'm not sure what his brother's name was. Yeah, uh, they played yep. a lot of yep. country cricket. Um, you go through to guys like Ross Ditchburn. He was just mm-hmm. a great person. Yeah, you know, everyone knows his football story, but not a lot of people know his cricket story. I wouldn't have thought, but he was a, he was yep. a great person to be around. Yep. I saw him make some bulk runs against us. He put us to the sword a few times, but just a just fantastic people to be around.
1: It was in, uh, it, so Fordham's a name that comes back to to memory. Maybe he wasn't given that he was a big bloke, and I mentioned a, a shorter opener. But certainly the Gray <laughs> Bro- brothers were exceptional, absolutely exceptional. And I can actually remember another game playing uh, late Grace Cooker and out at um, Cottesloe Oval, and the Greys absolutely just taken us to the sword. So, yeah, some some great memories from a great association. And certainly one of the things that we grieve about WA Country Cricket now is that a lot of those smaller, light like, sidings, as you referred to them, aren't able to necessarily field teams anymore. I'm, I'm gathering Nerebin don't have a club anymore. No, I've, I think
0: from memory, I'm believing they actually pulled out before I am over Geraldton in... Nineteen ninety eight. So I reckon they were they were done by then.
1: Yep. Did did the club have a clubhouse or anything like that, or was it just simply a you know, like you said, a paddock with a with a hard wicket in the middle of it? It was
0: it was a paddock with a hard wicket in the middle, and they had a tin shed.
1: <laughs> so a had, tin yeah, shed. They had
0: a big shed, so they had off one end was the. The facilities, so the toilet block, etc., and this big tin shed. So you go out there on a hot summer's day. They had a couple of sprinklers <laughs> on top of the roof to try and keep it a bit cooler, and a, and a generator out the back to have the fridges on to keep the beers cold. <laughs> uh, uh, I,
1: I will never cease loving hearing stories like that. As long as we can capture that, that is just absolute gold. That is, to me, country cricket. That just. encapsulates it. Yeah, (laughs) it was was just an amazing
0: place to go and play cricket. When you think back on it, you think, oh, they were terrible facilities, but it was just so much fun. It was a 45-minute bus ride from from Lake Grace out there, and then you'd play cricket all day, and you'd you'd talk to these guys as if they were your best mate, and you'd you'd probably spend an hour out of the day's play looking for balls in the bush or in the paddock, and (laughs) you've got the the harvester running past one end which is only about a 55-metre boundary and the harvest is right there taken off the crop and you're playing cricket. So it's a pretty amazing experience.
1: (laughs) Mate, that is absolute gold. I wish wish I'd had a clip of that for uh, the recent um, winning of the award. I reckon that would have just summed it up in about two minutes right there. (laughs) That is WA Country Cricket in a nutshell. I love it, absolutely love it. So ninety eight, you mentioned you moved to to Gero. Um, Was that for work purposes, or were there other reasons for moving to Gero? Uh
0: I actually followed my my now wife. She was a school teacher in Lake Grace, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so she was only there for one one year, and then she just came to me and said, oh, "I've got a posting in Geraldton. Um, do you want to come?" So and I said, "Oh, yep, why not?" So <laughs> off we went, and yeah, twenty four years later, we're still here and but still together and three fantastic kids, so the story goes
1: on. Yeah, absolutely the story goes on and that's one thing that I have come to to understand a little bit about yourself, certainly over a couple of um, Country 11 tours that we've been on where I haven't been playing, but I've been uh, administrating, and I've noticed that yeah, family is really big for you, really, really big. So, call out especially your three your three daughters, um, their names and and where they're at right now with, and I know a couple of them are, are on a bit of a cricket journey themselves.
0: Uh, yeah. So Chelsea's my oldest. Um, she's she loves the game. Uh, she's a very good administrative game. She's helped out yeah. all our um local cricketing officers up here in terms of doing the um, Cricket Blast and and Milo Blast and all those programs. She went and did her remedial massage course and we were looking for physios and that sort of thing to go on the first lot of Country 11 tours um, that I went on as a a manager. And she's actually been involved with a bit of cricket through Steve Phillippe and guys like that as well. So I said, oh, Chelsea's done this. And he said, yep, no worries. Next week she's on the bus with us, and she loved every minute of it, and she loves every minute of doing it as well so um that's a good thing to be involved with with one of your kids so um next you uh, obviously our middle child Olivia, she's actually very fantastically talented in every sporting um mm-hmm. field that she wants to play, so she's a fantastic soccer player, she's now playing football. And he's actually really, really good footballer. She's actually been picked to play in the state WA country women's team next Friday night as well. So, yeah. And she's played yep. in the state WA country um, ladies team last year as yep. a um, precursor to the tour, which obviously didn't go ahead last year. But no. um, she's really started to enjoy cricket in the last couple of years. Now that she's got um, a few extra friends playing around, and you know, her three, her two sisters playing as well. So. She loves summertime and getting down there and doing all that sort of stuff as well. And the youngest, Charlie, she she just loves the game. She loves being around her sisters and all their friends and and people down at the club. We've got some wonderful ladies that play play in our club, and they that are a bit older, but they take everyone in as if they're their own um, their own kids. So and they have have a great time. And she's actually done really well. She's been invited to the state uh, 15's development squad. I think that's in the next lot of school holidays, so she's pretty excited about that. Um, yeah. Yeah, so they're all going on their own journey of um, playing cricket as well, some more so in the play, and I think Chelsea be more so in that administrative role, but she
1: still loves the game. Yeah, look, you must be incredibly proud, and and certainly um, I know, uh, speaking to an old mate of yours, Jared Marquis, who we've had on the show a couple of times, he, he's referenced uh, the girls and their um, abilities, and, and certainly he's calling it out that they're absolute jets, so really looking forward to seeing how that develops over the next few years, and certainly looking forward to, as we've called out a few times, seeing uh, Country 11 Cricket back on the radar at the Australian Country Cricket Championship, especially with the women who were just starting to really get some momentum um, around about 2019-20 when COVID hit and it kind of, uh, yeah, a bit of a pity. So hopefully we're back on track as of 2022-23. Certainly I know the um, – so Chelsea I think was working as the physio in Bundaberg uh, – Not sorry, not Bundaberg um, in uh, – where did we go to in Queensland, was it? Uh, uh, Toomber. Yeah, Toowoomba, yes. And I was over there with Steve Phillippe just sort of walking around doing a bit of admin and stuff like that. And I think at one point I said to Steve, do, do I qualify to actually go and you know get a bit of physio, free physio while I'm here? Chelsea looks like she <laughs> knows what she's doing. But but he kind of mentioned, no, it's, uh, I think it's more for the players, Rob. So uh, <laughs> I dipped out on that one. A bit, bit of lower back problems from bowling a couple of thousand overs over the journey. <laughs> yep. um, so um, Yeah, so... Moving forward, well, getting back to to, to your career, '98 you uh, went to Jero. Which which club did you lob with, or were, were, was there a bit of um, you know bit of lobbying to get you to play at different clubs, or did you just resonate straight away with a cricket club in Jero?
0: No, well, there was. I don't think a lot of people knew who I was, and that I was in town at one stage. The only person that sort of knew who I was in town was uh, the footy coach. So we got here in uh, I got here in March of '98, so the cricket season finished. And we're starting footy training, et cetera. And he, uh, well, the coach of the footy team and who subsequently was the captain coach of our our cricket team, which is the Wanderers Cricket Club in Geraldton, is Bruce Gillingham. Um, Yep. And he was very familiar with um, uh, the two Ditchburn brothers who they were really keen and advocates of the WA country footy at that stage. So they knew that I was coming, obviously, so they let him know and, I didn't say anything about cricket for a few weeks and then he came up to me one night and he was just having a chat and he goes, oh, do you play cricket? i like, oh, yeah, I play a bit of cricket. And he goes, oh, uh-huh. you, anyone asked you to play? I said, no. Nah. He goes, right, you play for us. I said, oh, yeah, no worries. <laughs> so that's fine. So, and at that stage at um, the footy club that I played for, I think there was, with me included, I think there was about six, six players playing footy that was playing f- cricket at Wanderers so it all fitted in and... It all just flowed along really nicely.
1: Not too many bigger names in WA country cricket over the journey than Bruce Gillingham. He's uh, he's just literally a household name, certainly in <laughs> in the Midwest. Um, and I, I, one thing I do know about Bruce is he probably he was kind of probably asking you, but he wasn't. He was probably more telling you that you were going to play for one <laughs> Bruce, if I know Bruce. Um, <laughs> yeah, and... Exactly
0: right on that point, Rob.
1: <laughs> but uh, not too many better uh, cricketers going around in country cricket over the journey than Bruce. Um, what I'm interested. We'll get into a little bit about of your stats of your career in a minute. But um, when you were back in Lake Grace, did just you, you know? I think most of us see you as predominantly a fast bowler. Was that always what you wanted to do, or you're more you know a batsman that became a bowler, or how did it evolve for you with, with 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 where you landed?
0: It was actually it was actually really strange the way it come about. So obviously, I didn't play a lot of senior cricket. 'Cause there was only the one team in like well, two teams, but each team only had the one grade. So I didn't actually play a lot of senior cricket until I was about sixteen or seventeen. So and growing up playing through what we used to call the Link Shield was the under sixteens sort of association comp. I was actually a, a wicket keeper opening batsman. <laughs> um, <laughs> so and so I wasn't even bowling in our in our um Underage team, so and it was only through probably not the determination to be a fast bowler, but you go to training as you do in most places, and you just bowl all night, then you have a hit, and and that's about all you do. So it just became naturally, naturally sort of developed at some stage. And um, so I said, "Oh, how, how about do you feel about? Oh, how do you feel about bowling?" And I said, "Oh, I don't know. just have a crack, I suppose." And then it yeah. sort of developed, and um, I had some really good players. That we're playing with and good mentors that could teach me more about bowling. Um, so yeah, it just sort of developed. It was a strange sort of pathway to get to become a bowler, but um, and obviously not being the traditional uh, fast bowlers build. I'm obviously not overly tall. I'm not overly well built. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty lean and and you know in terms of fast bowling, I'm at, well, in terms of most people, I'm actually quite short. So yeah, are um, just developed and somehow just became a natural thing and all comes, to like batting, it comes down to timing and making sure everything's in the right spot at the right time and it sort of, most times it comes out right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I can assure those who never faced you, it definitely comes out all right because uh, you knocked me over a few times, made me look a bit silly. Um, I'm, I'm smiling to myself because I never knew that about you, number one, <laughs> but i I'd, I'd going back to uh, the episode we had with Richard Savage, uh, you know, part of the whole reason we're doing this trilogy as I keep calling it. Yeah. Um... It blew me away. I'd forgotten, but Sav also started out as a wicketkeeper. And one night at training, I think it was—I think he said Dennis Mackay or somebody came to him and said, "No, it was Pug Roberts. That's right." Said to him, "Mate, I don't know what you're doing mucking around with wicketkeeping because, mate, you bowl a fairly heavy ball here in the nets, and and that's where it developed from there." So, yeah, inter- uh, very similar journey by the sounds of it.
0: Yeah, but, yeah, obviously very soon. He didn't actually bowl. I'd only played against him once or twice, so only played, don't think he played much cricket after that infamous game. But uh, yes. I do remember he playing against him a couple of times in the couple of seasons with Geraldton and Bunbury had had a bit of a rivalry over that two or three-year period, and, yeah, he bowled as good as most people could.
1: Yeah, he certainly he bowled. You know what I would call a heavy ball. It was um, one of those ones where, you know, certainly as a left hander, it was just constantly because he's reasonably tall. It was just constantly coming up into your rib cage area. It was just very difficult to, to, to kind of pick off. Um, yeah. So yeah, very similar. Whereas as you've called out, you're for those who don't necessarily know a lot about Shane, you're a lot, lot shorter, probably more, you know, maybe just below six foot. I'm guessing. Just um, under and, just under, yeah, and sort of more, I guess you could say uh, skiddy than 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 getting that bounce. Although with the pace that you generated, you still certainly got that bounce. I want to get into a little bit now about you moving, obviously through the Geraldton system, and and and. uh I know, you know, certainly looking on from Harvey, you cer- certainly came on the sa- scene and was uh, pretty impactful at Country Week. Was, was Country Week something that um, came on only at, in Geraldton or had you played for Lake Grace at Country Week as well?
0: Um, I only played. I think I only played one or two seasons of Country Week cricket for Lake Grace. Like I said, I didn't really start playing a lot of senior cricket until I was about 16 or 17. So I played a few junior Country Weeks for, for Lake Grace uh, yep. I, I think I probably only one or two, maybe three at a push with um with uh, the senior team. So, so I think I moved the year, so ninety eight. I think that's the year I turned twenty one. So I was actually only twenty, so I don't be playing senior cricket for that three or four years. So um, yeah, I probably only played the two or three seasons of senior country flag race, and then yeah, up here you obviously involve, evolve and. Um, you've got to work your way in. So Geraldton were obviously quite strong the whole time I've been here and pretty much been in A-grade just about every year, I think, apart from a couple. Um, and it was a hard thing to do to work your way into playing A-grade cricket in Geraldton because there were so many really good players playing in Geraldton at that yeah. time um, to, to actually get a go playing. But I played a little bit of country week early on. Then I missed a few years with um, a few things going on. We had young kids and all that sort of stuff. You'd sort of put sport on the back burner a little bit. But, yep. um, yeah, in the last few years before I started um, going to Country 11, um, yeah, loved every minute of going to Country Week and, and bowling lots of overs and just getting through that week and you'd, you'd come back and do it all again at local level.
1: Well, certainly that for those who are tuning in who perhaps are a little bit younger or whatever, the, the 2000s in particular, I think, were a bit of a golden era for Geraldton. Um, At Country Week, certainly, um, you know, competed strongly in A section, won some titles, not only in Country Week, but also the Country Cup at that time, um, which obviously we'll get to one the the (laughs) famous game in a moment. But um, certainly you came in to Geraldton really at a strong, strong time and so many names that we could rattle off that have um, influenced uh, Midwest cricket even right till today, I suppose. But I did, as I did with Dero and um, with Sav, I dipped into my cricket to get your (laughs) career stats and we will call out the fact that they're not fully complete but that you're a bit younger than uh, the other two and uh, certainly um, got a little bit more of a snapshot of your career. So according to my cricket, right now you've played 220 matches of cricket. Now I suggest it's probably going to double that with what you did in Lake Grace, which wouldn't have been on my cricket in particular at the time. Yeah. Best bowling of eight for 39. Do you remember that? Who was that yeah, against? Yeah, I think it uh, might have been
0: against
1: Harvey. Yes, I think it was. I, I I didn't want to actually try and relive that memory, but I'm pretty certain eight for 39. Was that – I'm thinking Stan Twight No, maybe, I think it was at um, Mount Law at Breckler. It was at Breckler. You're dead right. It was at Breckler and I have a – Strong. I'm trying to repress it, but I think you. I was one of your victims that day. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty certain. But it's pretty. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty good guess when you've got eight. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Um, although, I, no, I'm actually going to rock with. I'm going to try <laughs> and track that one down. I'm going to rock with it. I actually think I might have been uh, not out that day, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how we go. Um Total wickets, 313. Now, this is the bit that I really want to call out because, like I say, none of these are are fully complete because you came through an era like many of us where my cricket hadn't kicked off. But your average, your bowling average is 13.7, which is just unbelievable, exceptional. And remembering that this includes your representation also at WA Country 11,
0: yeah. Um, okay.
1: That is so it's an unbelievable. Average thirteen point seven, but even more impressive, a bo- economy rate of two point nine. Um, and I know you—you pro- know—you were very much somebody who just wouldn't give anybody any room to score some runs. But then the bit that blew me away the most was because I think many of us who are, and certainly those tuning in, would would just sort of assume that predominantly you were or are a fast bowler. Um, And yet you – during that same period of time, you scored 5,675 runs at an average of 30.5, 1100s, a higher score of 197, so we'll call that one out in a second. But this is the one. This is the kicker. I'm going to throw this out to anybody. You, according to my cricket, across that period, you have a strike rate of 230. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going, you just (laughs) – you're just blowing everybody off the park with the bat. So the, the 197, do you remember that one?
0: Uh, yeah, I, don't, I think that was against, um, against Bluff Point at um, the GBS, or what's now known as GBSC Park in
1: Geraldton. And, but, and was it was – it, I'm thinking – was it? I couldn't track it down, but I'm guessing off off a, off a few balls.
0: Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't exactly remember, to be honest. I think it was only about one thirty or something like that. Yeah. But um, <laughs> a bit unfortunate. <laughs> it, it was at a time where Bluff Point was actually struggling a bit and we, were actually, we actually had a really, really good team at that time as well. So um, it's a bit unfortunate for the team that it happens against. But, yeah, yeah. Um, so you still have to make those runs, and some days you go out and play against those teams and think it's just going to happen, and it doesn't. But so, um, yeah, to get a, a high score of 197 is
1: pretty amazing. Um,
0: fairly good accomplishment that I'm that I'm proud of.
1: Were you uh, were you kicking yourself not to get three more?
0: Yeah, I was really. Because when I got out, I actually hit it. There was one guy inside the circle, and he happened to be at about cover and I hit it straight to him and he didn't <laughs> have to day. move and it was an off a part-time bowler as well to make it a little <laughs> bit worse. So but and I, so I yeah. didn't know, I didn't actually know how many I was. So I knew I was sort of around the mark but um, I think what happened was there was two or three guys that were sitting on the bench or with their phones out and went to video it and um, all of a sudden had to put it down and, They admitted to me later on, they they may have played a part and jinxed me on getting to (laughs) to the 200
1: stage. Absolutely, yeah. And just a shout-out to the guys from Bluff Point, you know... uh (laughs) Sorry, sorry, you had to, to to listen to this one, but uh, <laughs> having having been on the, having also been on the end of a Geraldton belting out at Mount Lawley that day when you took eight for thirty nine, <laughs> I can associate with the boys from Bluff Point, so uh, we're you're, we're in good company. <laughs> um, Want to sort of move into your WA Country Eleven career. So when when did you first get the call up for the WA Country Eleven?
0: Um t- First tour and the first few games I played for Country Eleven. Um, oh, oh, I have to figure out how old I am now. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the year we went to Geelong. I think it was about 2010, yep. 2011, I think it might have been. Um, mm-hmm. I was in the squad after um, oh, a few years when I first came up. Um, there were some fantastic players that were in that squad um, and I just couldn't find the time at that point in life to – to spend that amount of time away with holidays over that Christmas period. Um, Mm. so And there was a few mitigating factors why I didn't continue with the the Country 11 stuff at an earlier stage. But um, when I got to to the point where I played, I just thought I did regret not doing it. But there was, as I said, there was other factors that uh, made it pretty difficult to do. Um, Yep. But, yeah, just loved every minute of it. And the guys you get to be around... And the the level of cricket that you get to experience and even the people you meet from other states is, you know, you form lifelong friends through the game and it's just amazing to be able to play that next level of cricket as well. Um, And Yeah, and to be able to enjoy a bit of success along the way.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm just trying to recall. I remember going to Geelong and and seeing you play. Um, I think I'm pretty sure that was the year after um, the WA Country Eleven won the title in Bunbury. Correct. Yeah, yeah, which which we've chatted about with Dero and also with Sam Whiteman, um, which was obviously pretty special. I think Geelong, from memory, correct me if I'm right, but fell a bit flat for us as a team, and it didn't quite go to plan. Yeah. Um. Yeah so and there was a few years there where we kind of lost a bit of momentum but uh certainly my my other memories of you you know sort of tagging along like I do from an administration point of view was was seeing you develop into becoming the frontline bowler for the country 11 to, you know a few years later um and I well remember being there, and you might want to sort of tell tell us tell the listeners a little bit about this one. But uh, a day in Bundaberg where you were absolutely on fire, and then I saw you go down with with an absolute shocking injury shoulder injury, I think it was from memory yeah. that kind of kind of derailed you for a while.
0: Uh, yep. Yeah. So yeah, Bundaberg was a yeah, it wasn't a great trip in terms of cricketing um, uh, tours, but um, wasn't. Wasn't the worst either. We had a couple of wins along the way, but yeah, we weren't great that year. Um, but the game you're referring to was the, I think it was the last. It's actually the last game of the tour.
1: Last game. Yep. Um, we
0: we're playing Queensland at the main oval. Well, I can't remember mm-hmm. which one it was called now, but um, mm. so we were, we were actually going okay. We had Queensland, who had, I think were nearly unbeaten at that stage. Um, we had them sort of three for not many. I think I had a couple of wickets. And then, yeah, yep. come into bowl, I don't know, fourth or fifth hour or something, and, and tore my rotocuff. So, and that was, that put a stop to it for about well, nearly 12 months, I think. So, mm. so, there was no footy that year and, and, um, and definitely no cricket in the, or no bowling and cricket. That 12 months later, I didn't actually bowl again until the grand, our local grand final. Just over 12 months later. So it was about 14 months later, I didn't actually bowl again. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, I can. I can sort of assure the listeners that I w- oh, I happened to be there that day and and looked up and and like uh, like you said, Biddy, I think um, us administrators were kind of going, well, we can finish this tour off on a uh, on a real high here against the team that hadn't been beaten and we're a strong team, and you were were clearly ripping through them, and then uh, to see you go down and and I can. Absolutely remember the agony that you seem to be in you were in a lot of pain. Um, that was uh, quite a quite quite a significant moment, certainly in my memory of w a country eleven cricket and um, I wondered then whether you 'd actually ever come back because you seemed to be in one hell of a lot of pain did Did you have to have a few ops or how did that play out
0: uh, no i didn 't actually end up having an operation there was I could have gone and had an operation, but it would have put a, a big burden on um, my life at that time. So it would have meant yep. a, a, near, a near on six-month recovery, So, which would have been at least three or four months out of work um, yep. at that stage. So that was sort of something we had to weigh up. And I think um, they did say you know, it will heal in time if you're really careful with it. So um, it did take a long time and it still, um, still hurts sometimes when you're bowling and when you're bowling lots of overs – um, continuously as well at Country Weeks and, and you go to Country 11 yeah. when we're still playing the two-day format. Uh, but you, I sort of just sort of learned to live with it and I had some really good people um, in town that helped treat it. Um, my, my wife um, included in that. Um, so, yeah, and I remember the one year, I think the first year, Tim Edmonds came as the as the team manager. He spent, he spent half an hour every day. Strapping my shoulder up with me telling him how to do it and what to do, and that he was doing it wrong and and <laughs> I think that was one of his first memories of meeting me as well on a personal level, so um yeah, so but yeah, he got through it and and um yeah, you just sort of deal with it at times and you
1: you get on with it and you just move on I think that's the thing isn't it about um you know having a career in country cricket we don 't sort of necessarily have all the all the ability to to have the recoveries that perhaps somebody playing waffle footy or even Premier Cricket in Perth has, um, you, tend to, <laughs> you tend to find that there's a lot of guys out there who played the back end of their cricket careers in country with severe injuries and they've just learned to live with them. Um, and like you say, you're, you're an example of that and still being able to compete and, and be able to play some amazing cricket. Is there one one sort of major memory of your time with the WA as a player with the WA Country Eleven that sticks out? Um, um,
0: obviously, the year in Canberra when we won—that was it was just a group of guys that wanted to play Country Eleven cricket. There was, you know, there were some really really good cricketers in that team, but by no means was that's probably not the best team that I'd ever played with, whether it be Country Week or or Country Eleven or seen a Country Eleven team with. Um, some of the people that we were with, with, no means the most talented team, probably at the carnival as well. So, but it was a team of guys that wanted to be there and just wanted to play cricket for for WA country. And I think that was the year where it really turned around. There's some guys that are still involved in it now, probably mainly sort of guys like Tim Edmonds and Tim Hutchison that have really got a a thought for WA country cricket. Um, yeah. So and that year that was just a really, really exciting year to be a part of when we won the first couple of games, I think we sort of sat down as a group and just sort of went you yeah, know we're, we're a fair chance to to, um, to go a long way here if we all just band together and just keep doing what we need to do to make it better for our team. Don't no know it has to be a hero and, and take you know six or eight wickets a game and and make a hundred, you know, make a hundred. You know, we didn't rely on one person or two or three people to get us through to that point. Everyone at some point did something that needed to be done at, at a stage when it needed to be done, and yeah, it was just a fantastic group effort to to win that year.
1: Yeah, it certainly was. And and if we look across WA Country 11 cricket for probably the last 10 or 15 years, the, the, I think the times when we've seen the best results are those types of years where the team has just really gelled, come together like it did um, um, back in Shepparton, for example. Um, you know, it just sort of calls out the fact that (laughs) that old adage of a champion team is going to always probably triumph over a team of champions every day. So, um, yeah, and Canberra was clearly one of those times.
0: Yeah, definitely. So Shepparton as well was another one. So I was the manager at that stage. And um, we we knew with a couple of games to go, we actually knew that we couldn't be beaten. But the mentality of the two teams, I think that's when they first brought in um, the... Playing the fifty over finals, Um, so and it didn't really mean anything because we'd won enough points. Even if we lost, we were going to win. We were going to win the fifty overs. We were going to win the overall. We were going to win everything. And the the mentality of the players was like, no, no, let's let's win everything. Let's not just be happy with. Let's not give anyone an inch. Let's be let's be the best team here. So we could have gone out and celebrated the night before and and um. Reveled in our victory that we were going to have, but they said no. Let, let's make sure we do this. We're here for a reason. Let's make sure we give them the best shot to to do the best thing we can, and we did so. And we won, inadvertently won that fifty over final as well. So which made, I think, that tour um, even a little bit more sweeter for all those
1: players. Absolutely, and then and backed into Toowoomba where came within an inch of, of repeating, which was sad not to do, but came so close. Um, and as we've mentioned a few times on the podcast over the last uh, seven or eight episodes, you know, kind of halted a momentum of a group that were clearly going to do some special things over the last few years. Um, but that opens up opportunity now, I guess, um, for some newer players to come in and start their own destiny, journey, whatever you want to call it, um, in the same sort of fashion that you came in as a a younger player in 2011, 12 or around about then. So um, it it just opens up opportunities. So your role now with the WA Country 11 or has been over the last few years is the role of manager? Do you want to sort of explain a little bit about what that means, you know, for those who don't understand what that is?
0: So generally, we're obviously like most country players know that we're involved with the... um, the Premier T20 stuff, and as well as playing a few other games in Perth with the Country Cup and stuff like that. Now, when we play the um, Invitation Eleven, so mm. um, so my role is basically just to, well, as most managers of teams would know, like just to help out and make sure you're there if something needs to be done. So, water bottles need to be filled up, or we need to collect whatever you know, clean and you know, you clean the change rooms when when all the players have gone and all that sort of stuff. So a lot of that behind-the-scenes stuff that a lot of players and people don't really see. But um, things that I enjoy doing because it makes, from my um, personal involvement, it makes the players' lives so much easier. So when you're on tour, like making sure that things are ready so if uniforms need to be washed, if we haven't got access to those facilities in the hotels that we stay in, and we have to find a laundromat. You know, myself and Chelsea spent every second day washing one-day uniforms and that sort of stuff. So players don't have to worry about that. They worry yep. about getting being the best player they can be on tour and, and enjoying their time there without having to play the role of cook servant and, you know, <laughs> laundry lady. So someone else helps them do that I can, and it makes their life easier. I'm happy to do it.
1: Yeah, no, you do a magnificent job too. I've been witness to it. Um, myself and Steve Phillippe get to walk around and look, sort of try to look important, and really don't do a lot. Really, when you think about it, you guys are the ones <laughs> doing all the heavy lifting there, and uh, certainly, uh, I know the players really appreciate it. And and just the whole feel of 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 certainly the Shepherd and Tour, the Toowoomba Tour, was of a happy group. You know, of everybody really chipping in and, and enjoying each other, and doing something for each other, which is great. Um, love it. Absolutely love it to observe from my perspective. But mate, uh, I know you're not really probably looking <laughs> forward to it, but we've got a got, got reference uh, National SAV Day, 20th of February 2005. Um, we've heard the the story from from the man himself and also uh, Glenn Deering's recollection of that day. Now, obviously, they were on the good side. Uh, sadly, we've got to got to uh, kind of reflect a bit from the other side. Um, and so I'm hoping that uh, we don't sort of bring up too many memories and put you in the corner rocking, rocking you know, backwards and <laughs> forwards. Um, but just for those who are listening in, if you didn't listen to the episodes uh, of Glenn Deering and Richard Savage, I'd ent- encourage you to go back. So I won't go over all the details, but just a quick summary It was a uh, Country Cup match played back in 2005, back in February of 2005. Geraldton and Bunbury were clearly the two best teams at that time in WA Country Cricket. And they'd had a couple of, as um, Biddy mentioned, a couple of um, matches leading up to that over a number of years. Great rivalry. But Geraldton at the Whacker on that day batted first. And made three for 378 at that point. As far as we're aware, nobody had ever made a score of that type in a 50 over match at uh, Country Cup or even Country Week level, as far as we can work out. It was simply amazing. Um, and I noted you batted number three that day. Uh, I couldn't actually nail down what you scored that day, but I noted that you did bat at number three. Uh, yeah, I do remember that. I think I got, I don't. Get many, I don't think. I thought
0: I'd maybe fifteen or twenty, but yeah, I was sort of sent out to my role was just to make sure it keeps ticking over. And so you just play your natural game. And I don't think it worked out quite for the best that day, but I think I made, you know fifteen or twenty or something like that.
1: You didn't really have to do a lot after Anthony Thomas and Jason Graham put on two hundred and twenty-six in thirty overs as opening. So uh, I'm reckoning you, <laughs> you were sitting in the pads for a while there, um, sitting in the shed. Um, but didn't matter. At the end of the day, three for three hundred and seventy-eight. Um, and the the report that I've got in front of me, I wasn't there that day, unfortunately. I um wasn't. I wish I was, but I, I feel like I was now. I've talked about it so much. Um, but when you went into lunch, uh, you you guys must have you must have sincerely thought that there wasn't a lot you were going to have to do to to finish off a match where you'd scored three for three hundred and seventy eight. I'm guessing. Yeah, you'd like to think when you score that
0: many, you're a, you're a fair chance to win the game. But um, yeah. It's hard to pinpoint what that feeling was when it was quite a while ago, but yeah. you, you, I think, you know, everyone would have been a little bit jovial and, and knowing that it was sort of were thinking that it was probably going to go our way. You know, there was always going to be times where it wasn't going to go our way because obviously Bunbury being such the team they were, they, they knew they had to get that score and they weren't just going to play the game out and make 250 and, and lose by 130 runs. That's not their nature. To play, that, mm. to play that sort of cricket. So you knew they were going to come hard at us and we saw with our two openers, if it does get away from you, you have to be on your mental game to be able to pin that back and clearly we weren't good enough to do that that day.
1: Although you must have been even more confident when you had them six for 164 in the 29th over. Um, that's the bit that I kind of think many of us look and go, this just, this just is unreal to think what unfolded after that and uh, we'll we'll call it out. Richard Savage walked out to bat, proceeded to score 179 runs. Sorry, 172 runs from 59 balls with 14 sixes and 11 fours. And again, if you haven't heard his recount of that, go back and have a listen to the episode um, with Richard Savage. Um, I think it was that it might have been episode. Uh, 7. Um, I would encourage you to go and do that because it's just amazing to hear it from his perspective. From from your perspective, I, I saw you took 2 for 80 that day, so did you did you bowl a bit to Sav that day and, and what's your recollection of, of trying to bowl to somebody who's in that sort of form?
0: Um, I actually don't think I bowled a lot to him. I think I'd bowled my sort of first sort of 4 to 6 overs pretty early on. I remember um, when John I think that was John O'Whitney's Whitney's first year in Bunbury. I remember him yep. hitting me for a massive six um over backward square leg. I tried I thought I'll get this pommy guy and I bounced him and <laughs> off it went and it went just went absolutely miles. But and so I, I think I bowled a fair bit in the middle at the towards the start of their innings um but did have have a go later on and got the treatment the same as you know, six or seven other, eight other bowlers did. So we tried just about everything we could to get him out that day, but everything was obviously going their way. And, but it was hitting them. Um, it was they weren't just six. And when you're on the boundary, it'd come to you. You sometimes you think I'm in with a chance here. Just about every time it went over your head, you just had no chance. It was going twenty or thirty meters over the boundary. He was hitting them up onto the grass bank on the on the western side. Um, over, over, cover point, and yeah, it was just an amazing, amazing game and an amazing innings to to witness
1: and to be a part of. Was there a point do you remember where you know I'm sure, and we've all played a lot of cricket, where some guy comes out and he is is on fire, and but when you're in such a strong position as what you were, I'm sure you're up and about for a fair majority of the time, even when he did get going. But was there? Do you remember a point where you kind of went? nah, I think we're cooked. This guy is just not gonna not gonna let us, you know, get away with 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 winning today.
0: Um, I don't think so. It was only really at the very end when we did did get beaten because they needed you know that fifteen to eighteen runs and over mark, and they needed that for about fifteen overs. So yeah, um, at some point in time, you thought we'll get one. We'll get whether we get him or we get the other guy. Um, we'll, we'll get a chance here. When they're needing yep. so many runs and over, we'd, you know, you'd always keep thinking we're a chance to get a wicket. They have to keep going hard, which gives us mm. a chance to get a wicket. So, and, yeah, so you'd always think your chance is probably only in the last couple of overs when, when, after they won. So even they still needed, you know, 30 runs off that last. I mean, they did it with you know, two and a half overs to spare, but um, they still needed 30-odd runs in if the game went the whole distance, they still needed that, like I said, that 30-odd runs in in five overs. So you're thinking, right, to, they still need six. No, there was still a chance to win this game of cricket. And it wasn't right to the end until it was done, you'd think, what have we done?
1: How how did, how did that happen? It's still, for those of us who weren't there or those of us outside of the Bunbury or um, Geraldton, obviously I was playing for Harvey even still back then. Um, although Harvey at that point was combining with Bunbury for Country Cup because we had yep. a couple of Harvey representatives, Ryan Redfern and, and Johnny Crognalli, I think. I think yep. Even Matt Oxford might have played in that match as well. Um, it's kind of a mind blow to think that... <laughs> It could it could ha- happen, so I think that's what obviously what makes it quite iconic. And I'm, so the 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 one bit that I have to ask you, and this has not come from me, I'm going to call it out. You can <laughs> you can nail nail this person when you see him next. This has come from one Steve Philippi. He has been cajoling me for a while to, to ask you about your recount of the trip home to Geraldton. He said that, that was, <laughs> I mean, there wasn't, wasn't a lot happening apparently. <laughs>
0: no, so we we all got into the car and I think, I can't remember who, I do not remember who we were with now. So there wasn't a lot of chatter. There was a little bit of chatter between the Wacker and so you get up to Wateroo, um, up to Joondal up there where they're on um, Wannaroo Re- Road, We've yep. got the KFC and the Hungry Jacks, and we get up there and we all get some dinner and a few beers, and we jump back in the car. And then I think for the next, once you finished eating, after about ten or fifteen minutes, I think after that for the next four hours, there was basically silence. There was <laughs> there was no "God, we're unlucky you know. Why didn't we do this one? It was just like everyone just sat and yeah, they just couldn't believe what had just gone down and what had transpired in that game. And everyone was just silent and. Even when we got home, I think it was just no, all right, no worries. We'll see you next week. It was, yep, out the car, (laughs) gone, nothing said. Grabbed your gear and whilst inside and and hid somewhere. So, but yeah, it was a a funny, yeah, it
1: was a funny trip to be involved in. That's a long time to recount a match that (laughs) had. It just unfolded. I must admit. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm certain it wasn't funny then, or it wasn't funny for a while. But you must look back now and just go, "Wow, that was uh, that was something to to be part of." So, uh, mate, uh, appreciate your uh, honesty there, and certainly your uh, willingness to to share in not one of Geraldton's finest moments at, uh in WA country cricket, but uh, certainly just rounds out what was clearly, and, you know, I don't know how to say this, but you can probably almost take a little bit of pride in saying I was probably part of one of the most famous moments in WA country cricket in the last 115 years. You know, we've had a lot, but uh, (laughs) that one clearly still gets talked about. And as I mentioned right back in... In the first episode of the trilogy, when I spoke to Glen Deering, there's still a bunch of guys, and I'm not sure if you join in on it, but they refer to it as National Savage Day. The 20, 20th of February each year, they celebrate Nav- National Savage Day. So, uh, mate, thanks for uh, recounting your side of things and Geraldton's side of things. <laughs> um, we're gonna we're sort of gonna draw things to a to the back end now, and um, I'm, I'm not sure if you've tuned in to to any episodes in the past, but certainly. We like to finish off with a thing that I call the, uh, the super over, which is just six deliveries that I get to bowl at you. I'm glad I don't have to actually literally do that anymore because you would have <laughs> pounded me out of the ground. But uh, – uh, just six six quick questions you can answer them in whatever manner you like but uh, you certainly your w a country eleven career we've we've mentioned was was an amazing journey, but certainly um, senior country week as well obviously will be a, a a permanent part in your memory over many country weeks that you played. Is there a match in particular so let let 's move on to the positive for Geraldton rather than the <laughs> negative. Is there a match in particular that sticks out for you? that you played at Country Week with, with Geraldton that, you know, was obviously a, a, a one that you, you remember fondly?
0: Um, I think the, the Country Week, I think it was a few weeks later, we played, um, no, it must have been before um, that game, yeah. um, we played Bunbury as well. And there was a young guy that opened the batting for us that day. Well, I'm not sure if it was the same year or the year after, um, but we played, we played Bunbury that year as well. And he made 140-odd um, opening the batting as well. And to me, and the way he played was just outstanding. And they, I'm pretty sure what Chris Waddingham was playing that game as well. And he started bowling faster and faster and shorter and shorter. And this guy just kept whacking him through mid wicket. And he kept bowling further and further outside off stump. And he would just wander across further and further and whack it through mid wicket. So, and that was a a really fantastic game to be involved in to see a young guy. I think he might have only been. Oh, it would have only been 17 or 18 at the time to make 140 yep. odd at the whacker. And, you know, it was yeah really good to watch.
1: It certainly is when you see a young talent of that ability. You know, um, I've mentioned it a couple of times. We got to see, you know, Corey Wosley a couple of years ago for Peel um, score 150 at the whacker that will stay in my memory forever as well. When you see somebody coming through, emerging that perhaps hasn't done anything super. At that stage in country cricket and then just arrives, it tends to stick in your memory, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, that was ball number one. Ball number two is, and you may have already answered this, you know, if you were to look back now across country cup, country cricket, um, WA country cricket at um, senior country week in particular, maybe even junior country week, is Bunbury, you know, was Bunbury the game that you always most steeled yourself for? Was that the greatest rivalry, Geraldton v Bunbury?
0: Uh, definitely with the Geraldton side, I think it was. We we also had some fantastic clashes with you guys in Harvey. Every yeah. year, I, mean, I don't think you played a lot of games where there was many more than, especially in a 60-over fixture, there was many more than sort of 160 or 180 runs scored. And you'd yeah. think in a 60-over game with you know the amount of time and players that you play at senior country, you think oh, when you're batting second, you think, oh, we can make 160, we should win this game. But at games against Harvey, I think we um, a lot of the closest ones we'd we play every year, and I,
1: absolutely.
0: So, so I don't think there was many games where there was many more than that one sixty one eighty total made between both teams, and they were always really close games. And there was also a few events that probably um, transpired in in games. But yeah, um, like I said, when all said and done, you can sit down and, and talk to each other after the game. That's what Zany Country Week's all about.
1: There's no doubt for for those of us who played in that um, 90s and 2000s era at Harvey Harvey Leschnault, Harvey Leschnault v Geraldton every year, we penciled in as knowing it was going to be an absolute cracker and we had a couple of years there where games virtually determined whether a team would make the final or not. Um, yep. And they were, like you say, they were always super close, um, it's really strange for, for me to reflect on Harvey V. Geraldton and Harvey V. Williams are the games that will always stick in my memory across a, a long cre- um, senior country week career, obviously. And yet, you know, very few games, funnily enough, against Bunbury. We did play Bunbury in a final. And and the, I amazingly, you know, across 33 country weeks I think I've played, I don't think I ever actually played a game against Eastern Goldfields. Really strange how... The fixtures just worked out over a long period of time, but we always yeah. scored Geraldton year after year after year in our pool and it was always a cracking match. And I think, you know, surprisingly, it probably evened out over the journey with with wins and losses between those two teams. So, yeah, great, great memories there. So, ball, ball number three in your super over. Is there a player that you kind of look back on? And might might not necessarily be a player that you specifically like, but somebody in country cricket... Across your journey, that you just sort of admired, even if it was from a distance, you just went, you know, he's a guy that you know I really, really, you know, admire as a, as a country cricketer. Um, that's a and even going back to late grace days, you know, or whatever.
0: That's a tough question. There's so many players that you played with and against, and yeah, if you have to really nail one down, um, I know I'd sort of looked at Glendeering as a as an outstanding country cricketer knowing that of what he'd achieved in cricket and the way he went about playing country 11 cricket and doing the same thing for bummery when he came back as well. Um, just to, and to be a a fantastic guy as well, once you get to know him, obviously. But, um, I think there's a few people that don't share that opinion, but, um,
1: (laughs) I think you'd happily admit to that.
0: (laughs) But to get to know him as a person is, is really,
1: yeah, is
0: really good as well. So, um, but yeah, a person like that that epitomizes, probably epitomises country cricket and to, yep. to play where they play and what they've done through their own cricketing um, story and then to come back and play as much country cricket as he has. I think it's a, an outstanding tribute.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And, and again, I'd encourage anybody to go back and hear Glenn's story from an earlier episode. He, he clearly is, in, in probably the last 20 or 30 years, the name that resonates with most is be, encapsulating WA Country Cricket and certainly the successes that, that he had leading WA Country 11 in particular. Um, all right, so down to the last couple. These might be a bit quicker. Um, yeah. Is there is there one thing that excites you now about country cricket, and probably more reflecting on where you're going with the country eleven, or, or oh, I don't want to influence you. What what excites you about WA country cricket these days?
0: Um, I think the willingness for country guys to be involved, and the way I think the way the that country program is now being administered, and trying to get country people one as coaches, managers, and all that side of it. I think that makes and turns the team into a better blend of um, of country cricketers that get excited to play for, for WA country, I think. So to be involved in that, the way it's being run and handled now, I think is a credit to the WACA and the people that are involved at that end and also a credit to the people that are putting their hands up to do the job um, of the coaching and the managing and then, then back to the players who really want to be involved
1: in that program. Yeah, no, good call out. And certainly from our perspective, the Country Cricket Board, we we feel as though the the mix is really starting to have worked well. We just, as we keep saying, shattered that we kind of lost a bit of momentum through thanks to a certain pandemic. But hopefully we can pick that back up again and continue to work that through, certainly for the, the Australian Country Cricket Championships. We've been able to keep it together through... Other programs that we have that you've mentioned, but certainly the Australian Country Cricket Championships, we're looking forward to getting back into this coming summer. Um, All right, second last ball. Um, You're doing well. You you belt me around the ground as as always. (laughs) If uh, if if uh, somebody who's listening in goes, oh, you know, don't mind the sound of uh, cricket in Geraldton. I might, uh, you know, I'm retired now. I might go for a trip and watch a game or two in Geraldton, and they rock up in Gero. What's Shane Bidwell's recommendation for the best place to eat in Geraldton? What's the best? Is there a restaurant oh, a fave in Gerald? I actually don't do a lot of
0: dining out, to be honest. But the oh, the best place to eat um that's a that's a really tricky question. Um,
1: Mate, there might be some good fish and chips. I'm thinking in.
0: <laughs> yeah, there is some nice fish and chips. Um, most of them are done. At home, unfortunately. So we've got a couple of nice fresh fish shops that you can go and buy. But um
1: there you go.
0: the local establishments, so the the Jero Hotel and the Freemasons Hotel, they all do fantastic uh, pub meals and that now. So because they're all obviously competing with each other, so and they all do fantastic meals and they have fantastic offers. But probably oh, there's not really one that sticks out, to be honest, Rob. Um if you wanted a really good, relaxed time and a good pub meal. Freemasons Hotel is one I think is really
1: good. Glad you mentioned it. That's I've eaten there a couple of times, and I definitely recommend the Freemasons. Although there's a nice little Italian restaurant in Geraldton. Went and had a meal with Joey Angel and Steve Filippi when the championships were up there. I don't know what it was called, but certainly did a did a nice meal uh, there. Italiano. As well. So, Maybe. yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, check it out if you go into Geraldton. But definitely the Freem- uh, Freemasons pub. Uh, highly recommend that one as well. Good one. All right, mate. Last ball. Last ball of the over. I can't I can't finish this series without asking you this one. You've got one last chance to bowl a ball to Richard Savage right now, right here. What are you going to What are you going to do? How are you going to bowl it? If you you know with that six hour five, sorry four hour trip back to Geraldton, I'm sure you must have thought, if only I'd done, what would it be? Would be Would you do anything different, or was it just a simply a case of didn't matter where you bowled that day?
0: I think at one stage it didn't matter where we bowled but if you were going to try it again you'd be able to one ball that you could have in your arsenal I think if you could execute um a a yorker on on demand you'd you'd go for it you'd, you'd have to try that one I think so whether he whether you got him out or not you'd you'd have to give him no luxury in trying to get under the ball and to get it over the boundary as many times as he did that day so um, yeah, if you could execute that delivery, that's one you'd definitely have in your arsenal and have a crack at, I think.
1: I think For as long as cricket's been around, the bowler who can execute the Yorker at the right moment has always been, you know, something special. And we've seen that over a long period of time. And yeah. I think the thing that has probably changed even since 2005 when you played that famous game is that I think the 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 thought around bowlers having to have a lot more balls in their armory, you know, from the perspective or deliveries that they can bowl uh, almost on demand is, is probably more significant now than it was back then. You know, there was a lot of focus back yeah. in around that time of line and length and, you know, top of off and all that sort of stuff. We, we probably sh- – the narrative has changed a bit. Would you agree these days? You know, and certainly as a, a manager of a team or, you know, involved with coaching your daughters or whatever – um, I'm guessing that, yeah, that conversation's a little bit different to possibly what it was 20-odd years ago.
0: Yeah, very much so. So the the ability to be able to, like you said, execute a Yorker on demand and things like the amount of slower balls that have been developed and things like that and change up deliveries to keep the bats from guessing on what you're trying to do um, is obviously a good thing to have in your armoury so... And that just comes down to making sure that you're prepped and you're trained for these things. You don't just try it out on a game day. You practice it during the week and you, you, you have a thought pattern of what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and try and execute it. And if you don't get it right, you just keep banging away at it till you get it right. And, um, yeah, so having that amount of uh, difference as a bowler gives you a better chance against a batsman who's got 360 degrees to hit the ball in. So a bowler sort of needs that 360 degree transparency to be able to bowl
1: any anywhere or anything that he he thinks is required to to get the result. Absolutely, and um, mate, I want to say that's the perfect way to finish. Um, you've. You've unpacked your career brilliantly today. Really want to appreciate um, the time you've spent, so, also the the willingness to to have a chat about a match that obviously didn't go Gero's way, famously back in two thousand and five. But just <coughs> completes puts a full stop on it. I think uh, we're all we're all having a a smile at the the trip home in particular, and uh, we've all been <laughs> on the end of those. I'm probably starting to remember a lot more about that game out at Mount Lawley that day when you took eight for 39. And <laughs> I, I think we were pretty quiet at the hotel that night too from memory. So, Biddy, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it, mate. We want to thank you again for what you're doing now still in cricket, um, not only with your girls and obviously playing a role in the development of the women's game in WA Country Cricket, but also your role as the manager uh, with the WA Country 11 and just your passion and your willingness to to uh, share your story today we really appreciate it
0: yeah no worries rob it's just it's actually quite humbling to be asked to to do something like this you don't play country sport to to get anything well you don't believe you're going to get any accolades and that out of it's all it's all just you play it because you love the game so but thanks very much for having me
1: it's been our pleasure mate and thank you again cheers no worries rob Thank you again to Shane Bidwell for his time today with us on the podcast and being so willing to share his amazing WA country cricket story, including the conclusion, and we're going to call it the full stop to the trilogy of one of WA cricket's versions of the miracle match played at the Wacker back in 2005. What a journey we've been on with that one. We continue to wish Biddy all the very best as he continues to plough his efforts back in so many ways to help assist and grow WA Country Cricket. We are in midwinter, as this episode goes to air, but WA Country Cricket never stops. It continues to revolve along. And in some very sad news of recent times, WA Country Cricket has seen the loss of one of the very best and most committed in our games throughout a large section of last century, The recent passing of Aubrey House is mourned by WA Country Cricket. Aubrey is one of the members of the most famous families in WA Country Cricket, the House family, mostly known, I guess, and remembered for their efforts and time in the Busselton-Margaret River Cricket Association and region. Amazingly, though, Aubrey spread his very long WA Country Cricket Korea across seven different WA Country Cricket Associations, capt- captaining five of these. I'm going to throw out the challenge to anyone who can match that, including the Busselton Cricket Association before it became Busselton Margaret River back in the late 1950s, the Pinjali Cricket Association, the Narragin Cricket Association, the Lake Grace Cricket Association, the Wagin Cricket Association, the Katanning Cricket Association, Up Cricket Association, the Bunbury and Districts Cricket Association in the mid to late 70s and then finally finishing back at his home in and Margaret River Cricket Association. What an amazing time Aubrey had in WA Country Cricket and his efforts and his passion and his willingness to give back to the game are very much mourned with the sad loss To a great friend and long-time supporter of WA Country Cricket, Barry House, and the whole of the House family, we extend our deepest condolences. Finally, we want to use this midwinter episode of the podcast to also acknowledge some other people, some other real heroes of WA Country Cricket, the regional cricket managers, of season 2021-22, who have worked so tirelessly for all of us in WA country cricket. These guys have spent the past 12 months every day trying to grow the game of cricket in WA country, in schools, in clinics and in a myriad of other ways that are just simply too great to list in this episode. We'd really like to greatly thank and share our appreciation Two, Chris Secker up in Cricket Northwest, Jay O'Brien, who's been covering the Midwest, Rachel Norman and Christy Lind in Cricket Southwest, Darcy Middleton down in the Great Southern, Andrew Hayes out in the Goldfields, and of course, Melinda Lucas out in the Wheatbelt. These guys are amazing individuals and we want to use this opportunity to applaud you and to thank you for your incredible efforts on behalf of all of us. Sadly, the seven year service and tenure of one of those cricket managers, Regional Cricket Manager for Cricket Southwest, Rachel Norman, has come to an end. Rachel has taken Cricket Southwest to some phenomenal high points over the past seven years, and her work with girls and women in the Southwest region in particular, as well as inclusion inclusion cricket, masters cricket, and all forms of junior community cricket will be long remembered and appreciated. Thank you, Rachel, and we wish you all the very best in your new journey ahead as the manager of Rebel Sports in Bunbury. Replacing Rachel, it's just been announced, will be Jesse Little. Jesse has recently been working as a casual cricket officer for the Community Cricket Department during Season 21-22. His involvement in sport and, in particular, cricket at a variety of levels is very extensive. He grew up in the South West in Manjumup, where he was an active participant in junior sport, including playing cricket. He is currently a member of the Bentley Cricket Club and is a committee member with the Junior Coordinator coordinator Portfolio, where he has driven the re-establishment of the Cricket Club's Cricket Blast Program. The program has been extremely successful in creating new junior teams for Bentley, as well as they continued, rather, to work and build a sustainable future. Jesse takes over from Rachel in the Cricket Southwest as of this month, and we're really excited to see Jesse in action and where this leads in 22 23. Jesse will continue to be supported by the equally amazing Christy Lind, who for a number of years now has also had a huge impact on local community cricket in the Southwest. So that's it, folks. It's a wrap for episode nine of Out on the Paddock. What an episode it's been. What a journey we've been on. Thank you for joining us in this episode. We absolutely look forward to you joining us again soon in episode 10 of Out on the Paddock.